The Mind Aware, 137. She said, they're just big kids in suits. Now go and teach them. Feel good first, then take action. Feel good, act great. Oh, I'm flattered. I'm so excited I went and got a haircut. I am so glad to be here with you, Miss Dana. Please enjoy this classic interview with Carol Topp. Hi, welcome back to the Mind Aware Show. I am your host, Dana Wild. Now, did you know that most small business owners are overpaying their taxes? Well, I am here with Carol Topp, CPA and tax expert, and she's going to help you figure out where you're leaving money on the table. Hi, Carol. Hey, Dana. Thanks so much. I, I hope I can help people get some of that $11,000 I've been giving to Uncle Sam back in their pocket. I know. Isn't that crazy? That's Small crazy. business owners, were, you know, we're so afraid to take deductions, and it turns out we're overpaying. The average one, this is an IRS stat, the average person's overpaying $11,000. So why do you think that most small business owners aren't taking all the deductions they can? Well, some of it's ignorance of what they can deduct, what's a legitimate business expense. And, of course, that's how we as CPAs can be almost invaluable. Uh, tax returns for a business owner is not the time to do it yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you can't be good at everything, so let your CPA understand your business and help you. Some of it's lack of record-keeping, proper record-keeping, and therefore, you know, without proper records, I can't take a deduction for a client's mileage. An estimate is not allowed. Sorry, right. you got to have good records to take the deduction. Yeah, it makes sense. And so we get kind of uh, fear-based about taking things because either we don't have the paperwork to back it up or we're not sure if it's a deduction or not. A small business owner. So I noticed you said a second ago about letting your CPA help you in doing your taxes. Does a good CPA, when they're working with a small business owner, do they kind of know what kind of records you should be keeping? And can they guide you and help you and say, hey, make sure to be keeping track of this? Oh, yeah. And, you know, as a CPA, especially me, I'm a sole proprietorship. I'm a small business owner myself, so I'm, I'm in the shoes right there with you. I'm, I'm also an author, so this is how I help authors run their writing businesses better. Yeah, I give my clients worksheets. They're on my website at Carol Top CPA, the worksheets they kind of like because it helps organize their life. I train them in using QuickBooks or other kind of software to manage their records better, things like that. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. you just segued into what I was thinking of, of asking you, and I want to make sure and mention that book, too. Carol Tobb's book is Business Tips and Taxes for Writers, and so, you know, great tips about business and taxes, and it's for writers, but it's really for any small business owners. What I'm wondering is, you mentioned Quicken. Is that what you think is the best software for small business owners, or do you have any others, or doesn't it really matter? Can you use an Excel spreadsheet? Yeah, I have clients that do everything from an Excel spreadsheet, and this is where I can help them to say, okay, this is good for you because you're a simple business, but if you're getting to the point where you're invoicing clients or forgetting who owes you money, you can need something like QuickBooks, which is accounting software. QuickN is a personal financial software for your personal finance. It's, it's really not appropriate for business. There are some new ones that are cloud-based. That's kind of fun. One Ooh. is called FreshBooks. And the other one that's pretty popular now is called Outright.com, and you can find those on the Internet. Those are kind of cool because they automatically download your bank transactions while you're sleeping. So wow. on on record-keeping. <laughs> QuickBooks is also online and can do that too. But QuickBooks is sort of the granddaddy. But I love QuickBooks, but I'm an accountant, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, all these tools are great, but you got to use them correctly or you can just really get messed up. 
and really that probably is where some of the 11,000 comes from that that people are overpaying in their taxes because they're not using their software properly. Yeah, that makes sense. And not knowing which deductions to take. And so I want to get into that a little bit. You're listening to the Mind Aware Show. I'm your host, Dana Wild, and I'm talking with Carol Top. She's the author of Business Tips and Taxes for Writers and a, a CPA. She's going to help us figure out what we can be deducting as small business owners. So let's start out talking about entertainment, because I think this might be one of the most confusing categories for people. If I'm having a business lunch, you know, say you're out and you're having lunch with your sister-in-law how do you know if that lunch is deductible or not is there any way that that's a business lunch yeah maybe if you're doing business with your sister-in-law she's your client or if you're hiring her to do business like to maybe uh, update your website or something like that but i i gotta point you to the horse's mouth the source irs publication 463 is all about travel entertainment gift and car expenses. So that's the first place to start. So you're reading it from the horse's mouth. But basically the first thing the IRS is going to say is there's what they call a directly related test. Yeah, Whatever your business deduction, be it entertainment, mileage, meals, they have to be related to your business. And you have to conduct business, you know, over that meal. And I just don't mean like, you know, for five minutes. The whole point of meeting with this person over a meal is that you you are making a business connection with them either they're your client or you're hiring them that makes sense i i can totally see that and you've got to have some kind of some proof that you're actually doing that if i'm having lunch with somebody business has to be conducted of some kind i'm either hiring them maybe they might be a source of referrals for my business that might be an option is that right like oh sure yeah that's a legitimate business sure yep and and maybe there's some emails or other things to back it up, you know, like somehow show some kind of follow-up, like thanks, Mary, for that list of people who might be interested in selling their house email, and so you've yeah. got some kind of substantial paperwork. You business. know, the IRS still does run on paper. This is true, although we're more electronic, but you could certainly keep a log or in your calendar. Keep, a, keep an idea of, of the date. That's important to the IRS. The purpose of the meeting. I have read cases where someone had what you would consider a legitimate business expense, but they didn't record the purpose of the meeting. You know, they just said, met with John on Tuesday, spent 50 bucks, put down the purpose. Who is John? Why is, especially because the IRS can go back three years, we're going to forget what that meeting was about. So definitely record the purpose of that meeting. And so you really, you want to make sure and write that down on the receipt. So you've got the date the receipt, the purpose, who and why you were meeting. Yeah, that makes makes total sense. And so terrific. I'm loving this, Carol. This is Carol Top we're talking to. She's the author of Business Tips and Taxes for Writers. I'm Dana Wilder. You're listening to the Mind Aware Show, where we know that success is a combination of mindset and action. So then is that a 50% deduction for that type of entertainment? Is there any time that I can take the full deduction for food or beverage or alcohol or anything like that? Uh, rarely. The the IRS has a few exceptions. It's, it's things like if uh, you have employees and in the line of work you feed your employees dinner. So, you know, an accounting firm will bring in pizza during tax time because everybody's there till 10 p.m. Right. Okay. That's a legitimate deduction for that uh, accounting firm. But for most of us being uh, sole proprietorships, we don't have employees. We're not paying employees meals. So, yes, you're right. Uh, you take all your business expenses or, excuse me, your meal and entertainment expenses, 
pop that in your software as the total amount your software will figure out or your CPA will put in the proper amount, which is only 50% deductible. Is there any kind of reasonable expense you can take for end-of-the-year gifts or any other kind of, like, I don't know, flowers if somebody, mm-hmm. I don't well, know. I'll- I'll tell you, Dana, I wouldn't consider it reasonable, but the IRS does allow us to deduct $25 per person for gifts that we give that person in a year. And the reason I say that's not reasonable is because $25 doesn't even get you a bouquet of flowers anymore or box candy. It doesn't go very far, does it? (laughs) One of my clients thanked somebody in in um, his business and sent him a box of cigars, and the cigars were like $50 or $75, and I said, gee, sorry, I can write off $25 in your tax return. Wow. Yeah, that hasn't been adjusted in a long time, and it's really... Yeah, that needs to be adjusted. And so let me ask you, because we're we're talking about, you know, getting more uh, tax deductions with Carol Topp. She's a CPA, and she's the author of Business Tips and Taxes for Writers. I'm Dana Wild, and you're listening to the Mind Aware Show. And so what I'm wondering is, is there any reason that doesn't fall into it? So if a business associate has a baby... Can I give them, even if it's only a $25 gift, can I deduct a gift or a birthday or an anniversary? Do those count as business gifts, or does it have to be something other category? I'm going to refer listeners here to the IRS. IRS Publication 463 covers travel entertainment gift expenses, and it kind of mostly talks about giving gifts to your customers. In other words, the IRS is all about, I let you deduct this, but only because in some way it made you money that I can tax. Uh So when you think like the IRS, (laughs) that Uh clears things up quite a bit. But But the publication will probably be able to be a little more specific. Um, that makes sense. Uh, you know, and again, the gifts are limited at $25 per person. Yeah, I've I've given gifts. I don't have employees, but I've given gifts to people that just have helped me that I want to show appreciation to. Yeah, and, that makes sense because really pretty soon that list can get pretty extensive. Everybody you're gifting to can be on that list, but it really needs to be related to your business. So, Well, and Dana, let's watch out. I had a tax client who was really good about giving gifts to everybody left and right. She was, she was uh, you know, selling jewelry and to every hostess. And in her mindset, she said, it's a tax deduction. Well, you know, but that doesn't mean Uncle Sam put the cash in your pocket to begin with. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, she had spent basically most of her profit in gifts, uh, I which see, didn't but... necessarily return back to her, you know, the income she needed. So you got to be careful about that. you got to think, okay, I'm, I might give a gift or I might have this business expense or these meals or anything, but you always as a business owner have to think, how is this going to basically bring me back more income, more money, more revenue? That is very interesting. I would love to get back into that a little bit more. And if you want to know what is the best way to calculate your vehicle deduction, well, in three minutes, Carol will reveal how to get the most from your vehicle. Do you ever wish you had someone you could call for advice about your business? Maybe you want someone to look over your marketing strategy or evaluate your Facebook page. If so, then buy your side from the Mind Awares for you. Learn more at joinbyyourside.com. By Your Side is a program where you have access to the best experts in the area of direct sales, marketing, leadership, social media, and more. That's joinbyyourside.com. And we didn't leave out mindset or your personal goals either. By Your Side has happiness, nutrition, fitness, and tapping experts too. It's your one stop for the best advice for the best you. Check out joinbyyourside.com and have the best coaches by your side.
Welcome back to the Mind Aware Show. I'm Dana Wild, your host, and I'm here with Carol Topp, CPA and tax expert. So I want to come back to what we were talking about a second ago, because I, I know what you had mentioned was that a lot of small business owners, they may not be showing a profit. You know, it might take them a little while to get on their feet. You know, they're spending money, they're investing in their business, and they may not be reaping that return yet. How long in the IRS's eyes can you continue to take all these business deductions and not make a profit? You can do it forever. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. It's a kind of confusing thing, and I get told, especially among my, my writing clients, uh, oh, I have to make a profit in three or five years or the business will consider me a hobby. It's actually quite the opposite. We do have this fear of being classified as a hobby because hobby expenses are rarely deducted, but you want to look and act like a business. But you can lose money in every single year so long as you have a legitimate business operation. You're just... You're just not a very good business, but hey, you know, some businesses lose money because the business owner, you know, has income from other sources. Sure. Okay. So sure. it does look a little suspicious if you don't make money eventually because the IRS kind of says, what are you doing? You know, most people stop a business if you're not making money. But, you know, it can happen. We, we just went, we're still in a bit of a recession. There's a lot of businesses that have not made money these last couple of years, but they're still legitimate businesses and they should record their legitimate expenses on their tax return. Uh, a CPA can definitely advise you when you might need to be smart about, you know, your business practices and things like that to make more money. But Yeah, that's cool, though. That's really just really cool that you can – it means you have a lot of heart. You're willing to stick with it and go year after year. You may not be making the big bucks yet, but that's nice that the IRS recognizes that. Let's go back to talking about vehicles, Carol. How do you calculate a vehicle deduction? What do you recommend? You know, 90% of my clients use what's just called the standard mileage deduction. That means they don't have to keep receipts every time they gas up because their car is used for both business and pleasure. Um, But what they do, or personal, and what they do have to do is keep a mileage log. Now, I hate recording my odometer. I forget to do it. Uh, I combine trips. You know, I'm going to stop at the bank on the way to the grocery store, whatever. Uh, So I use Google Maps. I I keep a log either in my my calendar. I still have a physical calendar, but, but you can also do it electronically. Where did I go? And then I sit down maybe once a month or every couple of weeks, and I figure out the mileage using Google Maps. Wow, that's a that's a nice shortcut. I don't think I've ever heard anybody recommend that before. That's a really good shortcut. This is mm-hmm. Dana Wild from the Mind Aware Show. We're talking with Carol Top. She's a CPA and tax expert. And so this vehicle deduction, what I know, I think you're, I agree with you, 90% of the time it's better to do it because, you know, it's thousands of dollars, isn't it? Oh, so yeah. Really, this might be, I, I don't know, do you find with your clients that you work with, is this the biggest deduction they have and they're leaving thousands and thousands of dollars on the table if they're not that's, taking it? That's right. I had one tax client. She said, um, you know, I didn't keep good records, but I think it was 6,000 miles. So I can't, I can't, I can't tell you then, you know, you got to show a log. You have to show me the date, you, you know, the mileage, where you went. That's what I do. I keep it in a spreadsheet. Like I said, I take my calendar, sit down every couple weeks or every couple months. Yeah. And it adds up. Uh, in uh, 2012, the rate was 55 and a half cents a mile. 2013, it's going to go up to 56 and a half cents. Boy, and that covers everything. That's supposed to be your gas, your maintenance, tires, oil changes, stuff like that. Also, keep track of your tolls and parking fees because those go on top of your mileage deduction. Wow. Yeah, it's a chunk of change, no doubt about it. So, Carol, how do you 
calculate a tax deduction for a home office then? Because many, many people, you know, when they're starting out and maybe forever in their business, that's the way they want to work. They want to work at home. So what percentage can I take and what do I do? you got to measure the square feet of the area that is exclusively and regularly used for business. And that exclusive test is always the tricky one. So I have the home office here. It's a, a bedroom of my house, but it was not exclusive use until my kids moved out and went off to college because they used my office for their homework, the computer, stuff like that. When they finally moved out, I said, okay, now it's exclusively for my business. I measured the square footage. There's a there's a form your CPA can help you with that, but I'll I'll share with that people uh, that form on my website over at taxesforwriters.com. I've got a free ebook called Tax Deduction for Writers. Hey, it's going to be helpful to any small business. But in there, I, I give you the worksheet that I give my clients. Here, please fill this out, and then I, as your tax preparer, will figure out what home office deduction you get to take. Oh, that's terrific. Oh, good. We'll make sure that we give out those websites again so that everybody gets them. Let me ask you something about this being exclusive. So if I have a spare room and half of it is for my business and the other half is for, I don't know, my hobby, let's say scrapbooking Mm -hmm. or something, Mm -hmm. can I take half of the room? Can I do the square footage on half of the room or does it have to be the whole room exclusive? No, that's kind of nice. The IRS is being a little reasonable there. They're saying just take the square footage of the area that you use exclusively. It doesn't matter that it's only half of the room. That's fine. Right on. Yeah, and it's typically five, maybe maybe about 10% of your house might be you know, uh, the home office deduction. Then you get to take 10% of your utilities, 10% of the fair market value of the house is called depreciation. There's a special calculation to figure it out. This is, this is again, where you want a CPA to help you. I had, I had one uh, author tell me the IRS stopped allowing the home office deduction. No, 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 they didn't. (laughs) And uh, as I talked to her more, she had used a famous software package and gone through the interview and somehow didn't answer the questions properly, and she missed taking her home office deduction. Oh, ouch, huh? Wow. the IRS had done it to her. No, it's the software, her lack of knowing how to use the software properly. Oh, darn. Well, this is Dana Wild with the Mind Aware Show, and we are talking about the role of good record keeping in business success and keeping more money in your pocket. We're talking to Carol Topp. She's a CPA and tax expert. That's interesting. I like what you said about the um, the 5 to 10%. Once you know what the square footage is, you know, if it is 5 to 10% of your home or whatever percentage it is, you can also take utilities and other deductions. One of the things I admire about you, Carol, is that you really have a go-getter spirit and continuing education. And so uh, how important is it? Every, everybody doesn't necessarily love keeping financial paperwork and things like that. But what do you think about that? Do you think it's really important to just take the time and buckle down and get educated on this topic? Well, so important. You know, and I kind of joke, accountants will still be needed in heaven because (laughs) (laughs) accountants are needed because people lie, cheat, and steal. That's why the IRS exists. Okay, (laughs) so in heaven, the IRS isn't needed, but accountants are still needed because we want to help people be successful. Okay, so you keep records because not just to lessen your taxes and to avoid trouble with the IRS, but you keep records to know if your business is meeting the goals you set for it. Mm-hmm. Am I more successful than I was last year? Is my income coming from the sources I want to? Or the really important question, is every expense uh, legitimate and therefore furthering my purpose in my business and bringing me more income? I, yeah, totally. I love that. Will accountants be needed in heaven? Well, this is Dana <laughs> Wild with the Mind Aware Show. We're talking with Carol Topp. She's the author of Business 
tips and taxes for writers. I've often heard, too, Carol, people say that as entrepreneurs, as marketers, we know how to make the money, but accountants help you to hang on to it and keep it. So let's make sure that everybody gets that website again so they know how to find you and where to get information. Yeah, well, my, my last name is uh, Top, like the top of your head, but two Ps. So caroltopcpa.com is a great a catch-all website. But if you're specifically a writer, well, then taxes for writers is the place you want to go. And writers encompass, of course, information products, bloggers, authors, freelancers, all kinds of people. And if, if you have a micro-business, well, you might want to check out Micro-Business for Teens, although it's a, a website for teenagers. Boy, I get lots of parents buying my books and learning a lot because I boiled down running a micro-business to a, a level a teenager can understand, which is, you know, what most of us as adults want to start with, too. Awesome. I love that. So start out, make sure to check out Carol Top CPA. That's Carol, C-A-R-O-L, top with two P's, T-O-P-P-C-P-A dot com. Her book is Business Tips and Taxes for Writers, one of her books. She's got several. Do you have a free gift for our listeners, too? Well, I do. I just wrote and just put out there uh, tax deductions for writers. So if you go to the Taxes for Writers website, you're going to get a, an ebook uh, when you when you drop your email address on there. And it's it's again a pretty generic kind of thing. It could probably apply to anybody. Although I was thinking particularly writers when I wrote it. Um, I also do a little bit of a Q and A on there in the ebook, and um, also tips about when you really need to hire a CPA. Unfortunately, I get people who hire their CPA too late. Mm. So you maybe want to think about whenever you get a letter from the IRS or you face something that's confusing to you, this is what we're good at. Please use our services. We're here to help you as a business owner. I love that. Taxesforwriters.com. Go get your free gift. CarolTopCPA.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the Mind Aware Show, where we know that success is a combination of mindset and action. We're looking forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to the Mind Aware Show. And remember to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash themindaware. Please join us for tomorrow's episode. You deserve it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.